I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is communism? I mean, I understand there's this dictionary definition about the working class. and Forget all that stuff aside. What is it? What actually is it? It's not complicated. Right? It's not complicated. You've heard me describe it a million times. It is a religion. Remember, this is not a political philosophy. It is a religion. That's why it has to be for everyone. The communists, have, they, they demand the entire world submit to it. It is a religion of domination and destruction. And this religion, it appeals to one of, if not the worst quality, every single one of us have inside of us on some level. Envy. That's all it is. We all struggle with it. You know, one of those seven deadly sins and all that. We all struggle with it. Everyone has at least a little bit of it inside of them. Communism, it simply appeals to that. It's not more complicated than that. Everything you see is simply a different version of it. You should, you should have that rich guy's stuff. Look at him. Look, look at you. You don't. You couldn't afford. You couldn't afford a burger tonight. He's got a Learjet. Don't you want his stuff? Vote for me, and I'll take his stuff away and give it to you. Oh, uh, uh, men. Look at how men are. Aren't they the worst? Aren't you? Look at all these men in these top spots. Vote for me, and I'll take away their stuff and give it to you. 
all the victim groups, they all submit to communism because communism in the end is nothing more complicated than the promise to hurt the people you blame for your problems in exchange for power. That's what it is. That doesn't sound familiar, right? You don't see that everywhere you turn now, right? In the United States of America, not just Democrats and Republicans, federal bureaucracy, professors teach it, your kids' grade school teachers teach it. Entertainers, athletes, they all believe it. Half the pastors in this country, oh, oh, my white privilege, without even knowing what they're doing up there preaching the religion of communism to the masses. And I do want you to understand something. It's not an accident that it's here. This was purposeful. It's not as if one wingnut came out and said something either. We have Soviet after Soviet after Soviet and person who was experienced with the Soviets over and over and over again. They said back when we were having all that Cold War stuff, the Soviets knew. They knew full well they were never going to be able to take on the American economy and the American military. They were aware of that. We act like they weren't the big, bad, big, bad Russians. They knew. They see numbers. They can read. But they also understood this. They understood it well. They understood the American Judeo-Christian background creates what? Creates people who try to be kind. Don't you want to be kind? You want your kids to be kind? I want to be known as a kind person. I realize that's never going to happen for me, but it might happen for you. And the Soviets, the communists, realize, oh, we're going to be able to use that kindness, and we're going to be able to walk through all of their institutions and take them over. If you look around today, as I do with the United States of America, and you're horrified by the fact that communists run it all, they run our sports leagues, you're horrified by it, right? I'm horrified by it. Don't think this was some accident. Don't think that it was just, whoopsie, we took over everything. I mean, this is, this is Ezra Taft Benson. He was the Secretary of Agriculture under Eisenhower. And I want you to listen to what he has to say. He met with Nikita Khrushchev, you know, the Soviet communist leader. Listen to Ezra. I have talked face to face with the godless communist leaders. It may surprise you to learn that I was host to Mr. Khrushchev. As we talked face to face, he indicated that my grandchildren would live under communism. After assuring him that I expected to do all in my power to assure that his and all other grandchildren will live under freedom, he arrogantly declared in substance, you Americans are so gullible no, you won't accept communism outright. But we'll keep feeding you small doses of socialism until you'll finally wake up and find you already have communism. We won't have to fight you. We'll so weaken your economy until you fall like overripe fruit into our hands. None of that looked or sounded familiar, right? It's home, doesn't it? When I say communists and communism, and I point these things out time and time and time again, don't, don't think for a moment I'm just doing that for TV, right? These people are communists. They are here. 
Many of our American communists these days don't even know that's what they are. They were trained by communists who were trained by communists who were trained by communists, and they just don't even realize that's what they are. I'm not a communist. I'm just an LGBTQ activist, and I want to destroy everything. Oh, you are a communist. Yes, you are. And let's talk about something specific tonight, because we have great guests, Dave, Brad, a bunch of people on tonight. Let's talk about something specific here. Your kids. You see, everything you see now, the corporations being taken over by these people, Democrats, half the Republicans, entertainers, they all share something in common. They all went through America's education system. And communist after communist after communist throughout history has not only known this, they've written about it. It's not like they hide this. They've always known, all I need is the kids. That's the future. And I know that children are the future line has been so overused, but it is true. You and I be dead another 20, 30, 40 years if I can learn how to drive safer. My kids, my sons, they're going to take over. Your kids are going to take over. What are they? What are they going to turn out to be? The communists have always known that. Lenin wrote about it from the very beginning. Just give me the kids and I'll take everything I need. Well, at least we don't have any American politicians talking like that today. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decisions. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. You didn't think you... You didn't think you were going to raise your kids, right? You didn't think the American communist was ever going to let that happen, did you? And listen, he, he... had a rare moment of honesty during that debate. And currently, right now in Virginia, they're running ads with that because it's really affecting parents. He was just being honest. That's how they all think. You don't get to raise your kids. That's the last thing they want. They don't want your values to be placed in your kids. No, 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 no. They need your kids to leave you, leave your home, leave your loving arms, leave your value system. Come on, kids. We're just, we're just going to start priming the pump really on. We're just going to make sure we let you know how bad America sucks. And as soon as you realize that, well, the rest of it's pretty easy for the American communist. Let's not forget, we currently in this country have the Attorney General of the United States of America sicking the federal law enforcement arm on who? Who? Antifa? Black Lives Matter? Burning down cities? Murdering cops? No, 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 no. They're going after parents. They're going after parents who are upset about critical race theory and other things in schools. These people, they don't view your kids the way you view your kids. They view your kids as being their property. They want them, and they want them badly, really, really badly. And all this mask stuff, I mean, you know, like when you look at a video like this. It's going to be aggravating, but I want you to look at it. Kids aren't at any risk for coronavirus. We know all that, but this is the ultimate in the communist playbook. This is all about control. <laughs> put yeah. the mask on. Yeah. No, you got to wear it on. No, you got to keep it on. <laughs> put your mask on. <laughs> No, 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 keep it up. 
keep you safe, okay? Yay, Mason! Should it keep you safe, okay? You think that wretched hag assaulting that child knows she's a communist? Probably not. But she is. And they're everywhere right now. They lead every single cultural pillar of this country. We are going to discuss where we are, where we're going, how we fight back. We have a great special for you tonight. But first, we have a former congressman, dean of business at Liberty University, Dave Brack, coming up next. Hang on. If you're going to talk communism, if you're going to talk communism, if you're going to talk anything in the business world, or look, if you're just going to talk about America, you got to talk to Dave Bratt, former congressman and current dean of business at Liberty University. Friend of mine, Dave Bratt, joins us now. Dave, I'm looking at the Fortune 500. Here's the top 10. We've got things like Walmart and Amazon and Apple. And here's the problem, Dave. These corporations and corporations have tons of influence they're somehow all led by cultural Marxists now. They're not sitting in boardrooms with charts and graphs and profitability and things like that. They're led by a bunch of communist scumbags. How did this happen? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's it's been a long march through the institutions. That is kind of the phrase that began in the 60s. Uh, the elites, the uh, Marxist elites in the Frankfurt School in Europe and came over here, uh, marched through the uh, elite educational establishments, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, et cetera. You can go to brown bag lunches there in their philosophy departments over the last decades and see it all lined up. Uh, then it goes through some of the government institutions. I think your audience is familiar with all that. And now the, 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 the coup de grace is they take over the Fortune 500, our businesses, right? I mean, it used to be a joke that the Republican, the knock against Republicans is we were the business elite class. Uh, we've lost it all. Uh, and thank goodness, maybe, because now we can return our attention to the American people. Uh, but but the, 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 the singular trait you can always tell when the communists are involved is they always want big everything. There's no attention to individual rights under the law. That's the last thing they want you to focus on. It's the first thing they try to uh, get rid of, right? They try to get rid of your allegiance to God, anything that uh, defines you and gives you significance as an individual with inalienable rights uh, in the law. It's much easier to control these big firms, these big institutions under the thumb uh, of these elites and the power brokers. They want big everything. So now we got big banks, you just showed, right? Big airlines, big automobile, uh, big tech, the big tech firms, the six firms and big tech uh, have a market cap uh, worth more than all European firms combined. Right, single companies are the size of uh, moderate-sized European nation states, uh, and that's what we have now uh, put in place in the United States of America. It's a disaster, and it, we we're, we have serious decades-long work to uh, turn that around. Dave, what is this Frankfurt School you're talking about? Are they learning about hot dogs over there? Yeah, no, the. Uh, the uh, it, it, it you know it started back with Marx in 1860 and he, he had a simple you know economic determinism uh, and then it, it branches out it, it was failed right if you look up Marx in the encyclopedia encyclopedia of philosophy it'll say naive uh, materialist the, the philosophy is as deep as a wading pool 
uh, but it, it served political purposes, right? Uh, the, the class struggle uh, between the capitalists and the workers, boy, that's how you can divide people and, and tick people off and produce a culture that's at war with itself. Uh, and so uh, the Marxist uh, progressives, elitists uh, in the university setting have gotten smarter and smarter and smarter, right? And so the uh, the Frankfurt School, it, people can go look that up. And now the, 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 the neo-Marxist piece uh, is in the uh, in the these ideological buckets. It's not just the the capitalists and the workers. Now it's any identification uh, you make up, A, B, C. You know how you identify, uh, and that's all. That's a sign of, of the Marxist ideology. They want to divide us instead of uniting us, one nation under God, indivisible, uh, with each person made in the image of God. Right, that's the Judeo-Christian logic. It's very simple. Uh, love is the cornerstone. Uh, they got rid of God. They got rid of love. Uh, they're tearing the fabric apart. Uh, and uh, you can just tell the, the Marxist logic. It, it just gets rid of the individual and puts all the power uh, in in the in the big everything, and especially in our federal government. Dave, it doesn't make any sense though for. Apple or Walmart or Amazon to be communist when communism just destroys so much wealth? Why would these huge, wealthy, powerful people who lead these huge, wealthy, powerful companies, why would they ever sign on for an ideology that sounds like it's going to go after them? Yeah, well, uh, part of it is just self-interest. And unfortunately, it's a, a self-interest untethered uh, from Judeo-Christian virtues now, right? That that piece has fallen by the wayside. Uh, so what's the self-interest I'm talking about? Well, it's a $20 trillion sucking sound uh, coming from a Chinese economy that had been growing at 10% a year. So all of the bigs, the big techs, uh, they're just licking their chops at expanding into the Chinese market, right? Until recently, right? And so now, I don't know if you're following all this and all the folks are following, but the, China's got some serious issues. Their real estate market is 6x, six times their GDP. Our real estate market is, a, is about the size of our GDP, which is about $20 trillion. Their GDP is $15 trillion, uh, and so their, uh, their real estate market is about $90 trillion. And that's official figures given by the Chinese. That's starting to crack up. Uh, and so... And the supply chains, everybody's seen, right? The supply chains are cracking up uh, for a bunch of reasons. Uh, but that's going to hurt China big time. They're much more dependent on us than we are on them. And so now the big firms are going to be scrambling. This is going to get very interesting. Uh, but the, the short answer to your question, why uh, why, why do they go communist? They, they really just go self-interest. Uh, and they know to maximize the profits uh, of them and their shareholders. You go to China. Uh, and you just uh, give up all all the lessons we've learned in this country about how to structure governments and human rights and individual rights underneath the law. And they don't care about any of that. They're just pursuing the big dollar. And unfortunately, that's where we stand in this, this still great country. Uh, but the great people uh, of this country have to wake up and take charge again. Dave, now, I, I don't want to gloss over this because that sounded pretty hopeful to me. China has this huge real estate bubble that I yep. think I heard you say sounds like yep. it's about to pop. They're in trouble. 
That could mean trouble for our corporations who sold their souls to China and now have right. to maybe come back home and appeal to yeah. the American buyer again? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I, I listened to a guy named Peter Zeehan. He was Rand Corporation 30 years ago. Now he's a demographer. He's a funny guy. He's got YouTubes all over the place. Uh, but he's been showing he, globalism is done, right? I think uh, most analysts are, are in that space. The supply chains are going to come back here. Uh, and, you know, uh, the, the globalists, I, I think they will now uh, start looking to the South, right? To Mexico and South America. That's what Zihan says, too. Uh, and he's a smart guy. He's been right on a lot of the stuff. But, yeah, the, the Chinese now have already pivoted, right? Xi Jinping. Uh, from a growth model to a more uh, equity, equitable distribution model to, to appease 1.4 billion people who are ticked off, right? The Chinese Lao Beijing, the, the, the mainstream, uh, you know, grassroots Chinese people. Uh, they're crying in the streets now uh, because their claim on assets uh, and real estate uh, is being taken away from them. Uh, in the short run, you know, I I, I never want to overweigh the crack up of China because a, as a you know as a as a monopoly communist power, they can paper over even that number if they want, right? Just like we're doing with our tens of trillions of problems, they can just print money or create government debt to paper that over. But you can only do that for so long, and I think they're there. I think they are. At, at the extreme point of how far you can leverage uh, even a communist monopoly's uh, you know debt debt ratios, they're they're in trouble, and so we'll see we'll see coming up. Okay, I, I've I've only got you know a couple minutes left here, Dave, but I do want to ask you. Okay, that does that's good news, but it can be bad news. An old yeah. lion who is yes. injured and can't hunt the way he used to is a very dangerous lion. What right. do you think a Chinese response to that shape must be? No, you, I see you're following it. You, you know what's going on. That's right. There's, there's a response. They can go after Taiwan, right? They can trigger nationalism uh, to retain power, and Xi Jinping does that route. Uh, Zihan is good on that too. He does not think that will happen uh, because they, they, China would give up everything they have for that. There is an author in Foreign Affairs last month that wrote very convincingly that they still may do that, that you cannot overweight uh, Chinese unification, right? It's in their 2050 plan uh, of the Communist Party uh, to have a reunified China. The land... Uh, Reunified, taking taking Taiwan as a unified China, uh, can countenance any degree of slaughter of their own people, which which is just you know hard for me to say. But I think that is a reality. But I, I don't the people, but they they I don't think they can give up their entire economic base, which they would do. They're very reliant on us. They're, they're way more reliant on us and on their, their energy uh, supply chains going back to the Middle East. India can cut those off uh, in, in a day if they want to. And so I, I, I can't see them taking that risk. But as you said, uh, Wounded Lion, it, it, it's scary. Dave Bratt, everybody. Dave, you are the best. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Have a great day. God bless.
so excited about this next guest. This might be the most excited I've ever been for a guest just because of her life experience and whatnot. But before we get to Rebecca Koffler, we're going to get to her in a second. I want to play you this little video of Yuri Bezmenov. He was KGB. He defected to the West. He sat down in 1984, gave a long interview I would recommend everybody watch. It's still on YouTube, about an hour and a half long, where he simply explained what they did here and why they did it. And tell me if anything he says here, from, this is from the year 1984, tell me if any of this looks familiar. Ideological subversion is, is the slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, activne meropriyatia in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process. None of that looks familiar, right? Joining me now, Rebecca Koffler. She is a former Defense Intelligence Agency author, and she's or, or officer, and she's the author of a new book, Putin's Playbook, Russia's Secret Plan to Defeat America. Rebecca, we certainly don't have any ideological subversion going on here in this country, right? Hi, Jesse. Um, we absolutely do, I'm afraid to say. And uh, this is why the United States government tried to sabotage the publication of my book. Ironically, I included the information that you just read uh, about Yuri Bismanov, who warned us exactly about Putin's playbook decades earlier. And unfortunately, it's unfolding right before our eyes. Okay, so I can't just gloss over this point here. You just brought it up. The U.S. government tried to spike your book? Why? Absolutely. Uh, my former employer, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and the Central Intelligence Agency tried to sabotage the publication of my book because they didn't want Americans to know not only how unprepared the intelligence community and the US government is to handle the Russian threat, but also to hide what exactly Yuri Bismianov uh, warned us about and what happened in the 2016 election. So unfortunately, the Putin's playbook is unfolding right before our eyes, just like Yuri Bismianov warned. Okay, Rebecca, I have to ask, you say mishandling, our intelligence community mishandle. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean, uh, Jesse. I served in the intelligence community during President Obama's uh, term. Even though all the signs were available, uh, what we call indications and warning, that Russia is not America's friend, and Russia is preparing for a conflict with the United States where it was getting ready to employ cyber warfare and all of the other weapons that I describe in, a, in my book. President Obama's administration was so intent on the proverbial uh, reset with Putin, giving him flexibility and all those other things 
that it didn't want to hear the warnings. They were telling us, we're not going to war with Russia, don't worry about it. And we were trying to tell them, well, even though if you are not <laughs> going to war, might want to listen because they think they are. And here we are today, we are becoming the target of relentless cyber attacks from Russia. And the US government is not doing anything about it, just like the Obama administration was not doing anything about it. And that's how they mishandled it by not getting ready and not responding. Now, Rebecca, I've been paying attention to these cyber attacks. Every time I see them in the news, it says these aren't government cyber attacks. These are just hackers who reside within Russia. Surely Vladimir Putin is, is completely unaware of who and where they are, right? That is complete science fiction. That is what the Obama, uh, the Biden administration, which I call Obama 2.0, uh, really, because all of the quote-unquote national security experts uh, that right now are in the Biden administration are the very same ones that got us into um, the Russian confrontation conflict, continue on Afghanistan, et cetera, et cetera. So this is what Biden would have us believe, that Putin has nothing to do with it. But Putin actually and Russian intelligence services um, hire third parties to conduct cyber operations targeting the United States. It's a very classic uh, Russian intelligence tradecraft. And the U.S. government is highly aware of it. In fact, during President Trump's administration, um, the Justice Department charged 13 GIU officers, the uh, Russian military intelligence officers, who conducted very similar operations through third parties that were targeting the 2016 election. So that tradecraft is known. The Biden administration simply does not have the guts to call out Putin's government, who is responsible for these cyber attacks. Can you tell me about your experience with communism in the Soviet Union? Of course. Uh, this is um, actually that's highly alarming to me because 30 years after I have immigrated to the United States, I'm having flashbacks right now to the Russia that I fled. Basically, uh, what we have right now is the double standard. We have a situation where the government officials are creating rules for us, whether it's to wear masks or to, you know, pitch in some extra, you know, money to help the poor, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they themselves are not following the very same rules that I, we, they are creating. Uh, recently, President Biden and his wife attended a restaurant, a ritzy restaurant in Georgetown, not far from where I live, not wearing a mask. And we have previously, you know, Nancy Pelosi and all of those other, you know, I call them government apparatchiks, not wearing the mask. And yet they're hounding down Americans who are refusing to take the vaccine for medical reasons and for other reasons, suppressing our freedoms. And this is what we had in the Soviet Union, where the government who was in power was creating the rules for the rest of us oppressing our freedoms, but not following the rules themselves.
Rebecca, media censorship, obviously I know you have a bit of experience living in a place like that. I see it everywhere here in that in this country, don't you? Absolutely, and uh, this is a typical uh, Soviet playbook. That um, That's how I call it. You see, America, the reason America has been prospering and the reason why everybody wants to come and live in America because it is a land of freedom and opportunity. So plurality of opinion has been the cornerstone of our democracy. But alarmingly, right now, the left wants to arrive at the single opinion, the, what I call the party line. This is exactly what we had in the Soviet Union, where every alternative opinion every dissenting voice was not only suppressed, concealed, silenced, but also was punished. And so today we have religious voices, conservative voices, other dissenting voices being silenced by the big tech, people being deplatformed, losing their jobs. So this cannot go on or USA will turn into the USSR 2.0. And if we want freedom in this country, we cannot allow this to happen. Rebecca, you are the best. Thank you so much. Please come back and join us soon. Absolutely. It's my pleasure and honor to be here, Jesse. Listen to these people. They know what they're talking about. All right. We're going to talk to a mom who's fighting back against communism next. Well, it's one thing for me to sit here and talk to you every single night on the TV about vaccine mandates and CRT and schools and all these other things. The first lets me say whatever I want. I admire people like Patty Menders. She's out there actually in the fight every single day. Mom of six, also president of the Loudoun County Republican Women's Club. Patty, why are you fighting so hard against your wretched school board? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Why am I fighting yes, this corrupt school board? That's a complicated answer to that question. Um, they were locking the children down during COVID like a lot of school systems did, but it lasted so long. And we started to see that private schools and public schools were opening up, but we were not. So parents like me attended the school board meetings and we wished for a plan for in-person and they weren't able to give us one. And so we would go every two weeks is public comments and we found out that several of our of these school board members were part of a Facebook group, a secret Facebook group called Anti-Racist Parents of Loudoun County. And what one of the school board members did, the one that just resigned, she said, poor me, the parents, they're attacking us. Uh, can we find out who they are? So they blacklisted several of us. 40 to 50 of us, and I was one of those. And they put my uh, three pictures of me, my first and last name, my husband's name, where my son goes to high school, and what town I live in. And their plan was to uh, 
intimidate us and make us stop going to the school board meetings. And we realized um, that this is not what elected officials are supposed to do. They're supposed to listen to their constituents, especially parents. We just want the best for our children. And they, they, um, we found out through many FOIAs and organizational rallies and so forth that they oppose us because we are opposing them. We found uh, text messages between school board members that said this is war with the parents. We found that some of their minority consultants that they hire said that this is, we need to silence the opposition. So the more we uncovered about them, we realized they wanted to silence us. And we organized and we are just parents wanting to stand up for our children. Patty, this sounds, I mean, look, the average American, when they think about a school board, they may not think of it as some, you know, a saintly group, but they certainly don't think it sounds like what you just described. What you just described, it sounds like the Stasi. Yes, I'll be, I'll be honest. My parents escaped communist Cuba in 1961. They taught us children what socialism and communism looks like. And this is what they do. They turn they turn neighbor against neighbor. They shut down universities. They shut down churches. They want to break up the family. The children attend a special school where they have to be uh, part of the government. If you oppose the government, they come after you. And in my case, my parents were so young. They were 21 and 26. My father worked for the underground movement against Castro. He saw many of his friends imprisoned and, and, and shot because they didn't want to give up their property for the state. And thank God my parents escaped and it has taught me the value of our freedoms and our faith here in the United States. Oh, man. A amen. And I can't applaud you enough for what you're doing. I'll tell you something, Patty. I I'm going to play a little video here. This is one of the things that has creeped me out as much as anything I've seen. Watch this. It wasn't the anthem, obviously, that creeped me out. That was the parents' response to the Department of Justice attempting to label you all as domestic terrorists. P Patty, I'm so creeped out by this thing. I can't believe that's where we are as a nation. We are just parents and residents of Loudoun County. And in that video, that is all of us attending the June 22nd school board meeting. We wanted to voice our opposition to all the things that we were uncovering. And in this case, one of the um, former elected officials, uh, Senator Dick Black, he's retired, he gave an incredible speech and all we did was clap. All we did was clap for him and the school board completely shut down the meeting. So as you can see, we stayed in the room, we sang, uh, God bless America and showed our American pride and we we weren't silenced. Patty, explain to me why you as a parent, mom of six, why you oppose critical race theory. So 
as president of the largest Republican women's club, my first priority is my parents. But the club, I've encouraged them to be aware of any um, way where we have lost our freedoms. And many club members were sending me screenshots of what some teachers are teaching in the in the schools. And one video really startled me. It was a senior in high school, honors English class, where the teacher was bullying the child to look at race. There was a picture of a white girl and a black girl. And the teacher was bullying and intimidating the student to say that there's two different color on the screen. And the kid kept saying, I just see two people chilling. And this child was so smart, he videotaped and told the teacher, if you want me to see two different colors, isn't that feeding into the division of, of, of Americans? And, and the teacher was like, no, it's showing, it's obvious that there's two races. So I was the first one to receive that video that went viral. And then I've, I've seen screenshots of other teachers. In fact, the other day I've seen um, where they put the children into buckets just because of this color of their skin. If you're black or people of color, you're a victim. If you're a white person, they perceive you as an oppressor. These are children as young as five years old. Can you imagine teaching oh. these children that they can never be beyond their their race and they'll never be more than a victim? This shows that the government wants to control these students and make them reliant on government. No, we are all, like Dr. Martin Luther King said, we are all based on our character versus the color of our skin. That is what every parent should want for our children in these schools. Amen. Patty, I applaud you for the work you're doing. Please keep it up. Go get them, all right? Thank you. Coming up next, the great Dave Brett. Hang on. Whatever it takes to stop communism from taking over this country, that's what we must, be, must do. I, I, it is important we all understand what the stakes are here. I'm not trying to be over the top. The stakes are the misery and death that follows communism everywhere it goes. What would you do? What would you do to stop that kind of misery and death from being something your kids have to live through? or their kids have to live through, or their kids have to live through? What would you do to keep your kids safe from those horrors? There's nothing I wouldn't do. Let's make sure we're fighting this fight with the desperation it deserves, huh? All right, we'll do it again. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. 
Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.